Welcome to the Nature Connection podcast, dear listener. This podcast is for the wild people of Earth yearning to come home to nature and to themselves. In this podcast, we'll explore ways in which nature and ancient Earth skills can enrich modern life and how it can support our well-being and the regeneration of our planet. I am your host, Sanne Giesen, a Nature Connection ghost, herbalist and regenerative leadership guide with a background in psychology. With this podcast and my business, The Wild Roots Guide, I hope to support you on your journey to build resilience through deep nature connection and coming home to yourself and the more than human world. Welcome back to the podcast, dear listener. Autumn is slowly unfolding in these days with unruly storms, unexpected warm sun rays and a definite change of colors. In today's episode, I talk with Summer LaJoy from Listening Pines. Summer is a certified forest bathing guide, photographer and nature creative who is deeply connected with the land she lives on. We'll dive deep in the power of small moments of nature connection, nature-based mindfulness, and eco-art. Summer also shares her personal story about her postpartum depression and anxiety and how it has led her on this path of deep nature connection. I hope you enjoy. I just looked at your stories and I know you had a wonderful like eco-art thing going on before uh, entering this call and I'm really curious to to hear more about that but before we dive in can you tell us a little bit more about what you do about your work about how you became a forest bathing guide and if there was any particular moment that has led you on the spot okay wonderful thank you so much for having me here I just feel so honored to be a part of this conversation um, that you're having with so many wonderful people around the globe uh, my name is Summer and my last name is LaJoy it is um, French for the joy um, so I feel that um, my name kind of represents a little bit about what I try to do um, every day with my work and and just in how I live. Um, and I live in Colorado Springs, um, the ancestral lands of the Ute, Cheyenne and Arapaho peoples currently um, in an area called Mountain Shadows in the foothills. And I live here with my two children, um, two sons, my nine-year-old and my six-year-old and my husband, and we live right next to our school that my children attend and I work at. So um, I'm a substitute teacher there and I run an after-school program um, that is to help children connect with nature. Um, I can go more into that later. And then of course, I'm a certified nature and forest therapy guide. And I'm certified through the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy. And I guide forest bathing walks at a local nature center called Bear Creek Nature Center um, here in Colorado Springs. It is actually one of the, or the first nature center um, of the state of Colorado. So it's a very special place. I've been there for about three years and I guide monthly walks there. And then I work with the community here too, um, in partnership with many nonprofit organizations and other businesses, just to bring more awareness and programming around nature-based mindfulness and um, other experiences beyond forest bathing, like eco art, that you mentioned earlier, and things like that. Um, so I'm quite a busy person. Um, I wear many hats. Um, parenting is a full-time job in itself and of course being involved at the school and working at um, all these other different people keeps me very very busy and so that ties into my story of how I got here and why I do what I do. After the birth of my second son I was diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety. I was familiar with depression. I've had it on and off most of my life um, but this was a, a whole new experience for me, something that I, I did not know how to handle, <laughs> to put it the least. And I really wanted to find 
a holistic way to manage my depression and my anxiety. I was having anxiety attacks of a whole new nature that I had no idea was even something that people went through and didn't even know that there was something called postpartum anxiety. <laughs> I had heard of postpartum depression, not that other half of it. So um, I sought out a counselor who introduced me to mindfulness and I started practicing mindfulness. And then I started to maybe feel a little bit better at that point. I've been working with her for a couple of weeks. She asked me an important question that was really put to me in the right direction here. She asked me, what brings you joy? And of course, at that time, I had a really hard time answering that because I wasn't feeling a lot of joy at that time. Um, I was having a really hard time even just getting out of bed and feeding myself and cleansing myself and just really taking care of myself and, of course, struggling to, to be a mother and care for my, my babies. And so I really had to think about it. But then um, with some more prompting questions, um, I was able to really hone in on two things that bring me the most joy. And um, one of them is being creative. I got my degree in photography and painting right out of high school, my early 20s. And um, you know, this time when I, uh, at this age, when I'm telling the story, I was about uh, 35. And so, of course, being creative was like, that brings me joy. Painting, drawing, photography, really anything creative. I really like writing and things like that. I wasn't doing any of that at the time. And then the other one was spending time outside, being in nature. I really loved hiking. I lived in the mountains at that time. Um, there was hiking trails nearby. There was a lot of open space near me. I would go for walks and things like that. So I knew that that was something that still kind of was making me feel good. But it was when she said, okay, so do you think you can carve out five minutes a day, bringing some of these mindful practices that we've been talking about into spending time outside and being creative? And um, of course, at first I said, no, there's absolutely not five minutes in my day <laughs> to do that. I, she said, well, it's really, it's five minutes for your well-being. I want you to really try. And so I did. I started to set aside five minutes a day to just go outside and be mindful, whatever there was present um, in that moment. And sometimes it was just looking out a window, maybe not actually being outside, but um, that was my connection. That was my connecting moment. To bring in creativity, I photographed it. And um, I started to want to share these experiences that I was having because um, I was reporting back to my counselor um, that I was starting to feel so much from this five minutes. It was really helping me get through my days. This five minutes of connecting with nature was this really potent medicine that in those other darker parts of my day when I was either having a panic attack or feeling so depressed that um, I just felt swallowed up by the darkness that I would remember. I would remember or I could look at that image and it was like a portal. It would bring me back, back into that moment and I would just feel better. It was really just as simple as that. I would just, I just felt better. I just felt like I could breathe. I just felt a little more calm. And of course I started gaining deeper insight the more I did it. Um, so I started to be able to relate to nature and see that I was not the only one suffering in the world, <laughs> but everything in this universe knows pain, knows fear, knows, knows those things that I was going through. So I wasn't alone. And so I wanted to share this medicine with the world, um, just, just what I was doing, just my experience. And so I started posting on Instagram which is interesting how that's how I can connect with you and many, many other people, actually. But I was telling my husband one day, I didn't use Instagram much. And I said, I want to share this like an online journal. And he said, oh, Instagram, that's what that is. <laughs> Especially then it was more like that. So I started posting every day um, a picture and some words about this moment with nature and how it was affecting me. And through that, is when I learned of words like nature connection and forest bathing and shinrin yoku. And my mind was just completely blown by the sheer fact that this was a movement happening um, across the globe of being a um, prescribed wellness practice. Of course, not something that is new. Um, <laughs> 
It is um, something that every human inherently knows and does, even from a very, very young age. Um, and there's a form of it in every indigenous culture on the planet. But what astonished me was that there was a name for it, and there um, there's many names for it, but that the Japanese coined this term Shinrin-yoku in forest bathing, and that there's there was people being trained to guide others into this practice, to deepen it, and um, that it was you know an actual prescribed medicine by doctors and other caretakers. And so I um, immediately had to get all the books and, and start reading as much as I could and find a guide, um, which I said I was living in the mountains at that time. So I had to travel four hours to go to my first walk. And by the end of it, I was applying to the program. I, I knew I wanted to become a guide. Um, at this point, I was um, about six, at least six months into my daily nature connection practice as a form of medicine. And I was feeling cured, really. Um, I felt that I transformed so much just by that simple, just really just the five minutes. Um, and I was astonished by that. But then by deepening it into forest bathing and having um, that larger window of time and just learning more about the practice and and um, all of the different philosophy. And it just really was this huge turning point in my life. And so not only did I find that I was more creative, I came back to my arts. Um, I was doing a lot more with my photography and my and all of my art. Um, I was feeling more inspired to get into education and work with children. I started teaching tinker garden classes, early education aged children outside, and um, just found this whole new um, inspiration in life. And I, I felt empowered. Um, and really, it all just stemmed back to that that simple question of what brings you joy and knowing that um, nature is just this infinite source of medicine. Um, so that is my story of how I um, found out about the um, about forest bathing and, and wanted to become a guide. Um, of course, my story continued. Um, once I got into the program, I called up the nature center, Bear Creek here in Colorado Springs, and they were just blown away. First of all, the woman that answered the phone, her name is Autumn, and we thought that was very funny. The seasons were speaking, and and I told her about what I was doing and that I just wanted a place to practice, and she said, oh my gosh, we had a huge meeting last night with our whole nonprofit program. We want to bring more adult-based mindfulness program to our nature center, and um, so I was on the phone the very next day with the director and she said, can you start right away? And so before I even was certified, I started doing the walks down at the nature center. And it's been quite the journey since so many doors have opened. So many amazing people like you that I've connected with. And um, so yeah, that that is the nutshell of um, how I got to be here in this moment. Thank you so much for sharing your story and also for sharing your personal story, uh, the question, but also your experience with postpartum anxiety really sounds like a turning point in your life. And I'm so happy that you found those small moments of light and joy in your day and that they have led you to do what you do now and it's such a pleasure to follow you on instagram i'm happy you you started this online <laughs> journal and share your um your experiences your insights with us and what a wonderful coincidence with autumn sometimes things are just meant to be and I, yeah at the right time at the right spot i'm really curious because i of course I'm well aware of what forest baiting is and how it can contribute to healing and inner growth but from your experience what is forest baiting for listeners that might not be aware of what, what it is and what it can do for us can you share a little bit more about that absolutely so um forest bathing can uh simply mean just spending time being immersed in nature and um, bringing your attention to the present through um having a focus on your senses 
Um, so that being said, it is kind of this very broad umbrella of many different ways to experience forest bathing. People can pick up a book and do it on their own, but I find that working with a guide helps to really deepen into the experience and have more of a meditative experience. So it can be a form of meditation. It can be hard to explain, but I find the easiest way to really simplify it is that it's creating a container of space and time to deepen or strengthen your relationship with the more than human world. That is just bringing an intention to to spending time with nature. And I like to use the words the more than human world or the other than human world because uh, we are nature. We are, to quote you, the rivers in the mountains. We are the earth, and um, it's easy to forget that sometimes in our society. And so a wonderful um, aspect of forest bathing is the remembrance that we are nature. And so that intention of creating or just setting aside some time to, to intentionally say, I am going to spend this amount of time bringing my attention to the more than human world in whatever way that is. And so that simply can be forest bathing. And I and I really try within my scope, my practice, and um, work with my clients to try to, to um, really help people understand that they can forest bathe really anytime, much like mindfulness meditation. You can really do it anywhere, anytime. Um, but traditionally, with Shinran-yoku, and that term was coined by the Japanese, bathing in the atmosphere of the forest, taking in the environment, you're taking in the sights, the smell, the sounds, the texture, the feel. You're taking in the forest through your senses. It's important to know that you don't need a forest. <laughs> it's nice to have trees. Trees are really amazing beings. They are really a beautiful place to forest bathe, but you certainly do not need a forest really anywhere um, in nature, beaches, canyons, desert, really anywhere outdoors is, is really wonderful because then you can feel the air moving and the, the sun on your skin, but you don't have to be outside either. Once you start practicing it um, or, or you're introduced by the right guide, you can really can force wave indoors or have windows open I'd even have worked with some guides that work with people in hospice and in hospital rooms and places that don't even have a window by bringing nature indoors, maybe having a little box of items. So essentially a guided forest bath is when the guide is holding space for the participant to experience nature by bringing, helping them bring attention to their senses just really holding space for them to find their own way of connecting with the present moment and with the more than human world. So coming back to Shimon Yoku, that was uh, really a response to this big tech boom that happened in, in all over the world, really, in the 70s. And Japan um, wanted to really deeply research uh, the benefits, the health benefits of of spending time in nature and especially guided mindfulness meditation in nature. And that is when uh, Shinrin-yoku, uh, forest bathing, the term was born. But this was kind of happening all over the planet. It wasn't just there. Was, this was, I think many people on our planet were awakening to this. And so even though it's kind of a new term to hear forest bathing um, in Western culture, um, it, it's really interesting when you when you experience it. It's kind of one of those things like anything meditative, I think, um, or holistic, really. It's very hard to explain until you experience it. But then once you do, you realize, well, maybe this is something I've always done. Or maybe this is something I already have a deeper knowledge about. It's interesting when we start having talks like this to find out it's it's happening all over the planet. Um, and more and more people are gathering and talking and having these kind of conversations about just creating this container, this container of remembrance, remembering who are we are, 
like your 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 work that you do with wild roots that uh, coming back to these these old ways these these deeper connections that we've always had no matter who you are and where you come from you have ancestors and you have people that had a much deeper connection with the land i think a lot of people are just remembering how important that is often people realize i i had that deeper connection when i was a child it's also this container of space and time that you can kind of be that child again, connect with your inner child. It can just be as simple as just really saying, okay, I'm going to force face. I'm going to bring my attention to the present moment and just ask myself, what am I noticing? And really just that question in itself can bring you into that um, container. You know, it can be as complicated as in depth of working with um, a guide who's been doing this for decades and knows all of the science and um, you know how our the neurons in our brain are connecting and how our parasympathetic nervous system is being activated and get into all that fancy talk but really it's just comes right down to that very simplicity of just slowing down being present with yourself and with nature that you are a part of what a wonderful answer i really love how you explained the depth of the topic because you can make it as elaborate as you want go as in that in the science in the experiences but also making it very tangible and approachable by seeing what's happening around you in this present moment what do you notice how can you connect with nature in this in this way, because I think we live in a culture who overcomplicates, we tend to overcomplicate things and reminding ourselves that, yes, there is this amazing research being done on the effects of forest baiting. But you can ask a child, you ask yourself the question, humans often just feel better when they are outside. And this is such a wonderful thing to remember and incorporate in our lives again what i really admire about your work is how it is so infused with art with eco art your photography you have really a gift for creating beautiful pictures that really touch something inside and i'm really curious how these creative practices can enhance forest bathing and how they can strengthen our bond with nature Yes, so this is something very dear to my heart um, because my first passion in life really was photography and, and art, art in general. Um, my parents are artists, my, my mother especially, as a professional artist growing up. So she had a studio in the house and um, I got to help her make clay and frame pictures. And so it was a big part of my upbringing. And then at a very young age, my grandfather gave me a camera um, when I was 12. And so I knew at a very young age that I wanted to be an artist. And so when I was studying in um, college, I studied photography and painting. I learned of this amazing artist, and he's still one of my absolute favorites, Andy Goldsworthy. And he just um, heavily influenced my work and me as a human way of living. And maybe he introduced me to forest bathing first. I don't know. It's quite possible because in many ways, what he does is is forest bathing. And so um, I had seen the movie Rivers and Tides. And so I highly recommend it to anyone listening. It's this really beautiful documentary. There's something that he says in the movie about when he goes to a new place that he has to spend some time getting to know the land. And it's like shaking hands with the land. That's always stuck with me. He's a photographer, too. And he's having these present moments of the land where he's creating with nature and making ephemeral art. Right? It's not permanent. Um, it's not meant to last. And there's something really beautiful about that and very meditative and medicinal. And so, but he uses photography to to share, to share those moments with the rest of the world. And uh, so that's very inspiring to me. And so I think that um, in those early days when I was practicing those five minutes of nature medicine, 
he was very um, much on my mind in those moments when I was taking those pictures because I was like, ah, <laughs> I see, I see um, a little bit into into his world and what he's doing. Although I had practiced it before, this was something different. This was like a conversation, and that that is really what it comes down to and what it becomes. It's less about making art and being creative and being an artist and what am I making that people are going to see and maybe put on display or, or judge it becomes more about the process that bringing you into the present moment the, the tactile of feeling each object and maybe smelling it and getting to know it and what's its story where did it come from and how am I now part of its story how has it become a part of mine and then well placing them on the ground or however you're working with with the beings I like to call everything from nature and nature beings everything has a beingness the beings that it's a it's a conversation with the universe and with myself the more than human world it's it's a language it's a universal language and um, all beings are creative whether that means that their creativity is simply in how they live um, maybe in how they have evolved as a species, or maybe it's just in simply how they gather their food or create their nests or whatever it is. We're, we're all creative beings. And so these moments of creativity, of making ephemeral eco art, it's more just about this dialogue. And it, and it can't necessarily even be expressed in words. That's why I love photography is because you can photograph it it can express that language to others without using words and, and help other people just um, maybe get a glimpse of that moment of awe that you may have had when you wanted to take that picture. That is why I like to bring that aspect into nature-based mindfulness practices with with my clients or whomever I'm walking or, or being with in this container of forest bathing or really just any uh, nature-based experience <laughs> because it really can help you express parts of yourself that there might not be a structure for in your life. Journaling is a wonderful thing, but it might not open up all of those nitty-gritty little parts of yourself that need to, to come out. Or perhaps it is in that co-creation that it's you are having this dialogue with the more than human world in that moment. So what it is that you're making, you're receiving, you're, you're gaining insight and wisdom. And that might not be able to be expressed in words either. Maybe it's completely emotional or on a different level or aspect of, of your beingness that you maybe didn't even, weren't even aware <laughs> was part of you. And so it's really beautiful in that way because it can help you come into that meditative state. It can help you find that real deep relaxation. But it also can help you work things out. And sometimes I'll have prompts. We really like to call them invitations on a forest bathing walk. They're invitations. We're inviting you to perhaps experience the moment in the way that we're suggesting. And, and you know, brings you to, into your senses. So an invitation in forest bathing might be something like, I wonder if there's a music to this place. Perhaps we can take a moment to deeply listen, something like that. Um, but with the eco-art therapy, it might be something like, I wonder if there's a story you might want to tell today. Or perhaps there are beings here that might reflect those in your life your family or your friends and maybe there's a way that you can gather them together and to express that and so it's very open-ended very similar to forest bathing invitations where you have um very non-prescriptive yeah that that is why i i love eco art therapy and why i often bring it into my work with my clients I really like how you, you first of all, you just light up whenever you talk about either art or nature. It's, it's such, so wonderful to, to witness you sharing your wisdom. And I really love how you share about art, of it being a way, like a gateway or a doorway to nature, to have this conversation with nature. Because I think for many people, like forest baiting, 
it can be daunting. Like they might not be really well connected to their bodies. And of course, a, a guide can help you work through this. They really feel art and creating like nature art or mandalas. It can be such a wonderful, playful way to have this conversation with nature. And it works, like you said, on so many layers. It can it's so simple, but it really can bring with the right state of mind, it can really bring this deep connection to nature, unraveling pieces of yourself you didn't know you you needed, like you so beautifully said. Because as a child, I used to, I love to draw mandalas. And whenever I'm creating, I, I usually create natural mandalas. It just brings me back to that. I never know what I will end up with. It's very intuitive. It's very creative. And it's whenever I create something, it always feels it has nourished me in the process of making it. But it also always feels like a little natural altar for nature as a way to express my gratitude for nature so i really experienced this conversation and this nourishing of both yourself as well as the connection as well as nature in the process so thank you so much for this wonderful reminder thank you yes i'm glad that you um, mentioned that playfulness and um, that reconnecting with the inner child and um there's just Play is um, it's such beautiful medicine, getting into that playful state and almost a better word for it than art or creativity is really play. And um, often that, that's so much of what forest bathing is too, is just, just remembering how to just be playful. And children can be such great guides in this as well. Children just know how to do this. So it's really <laughs> connecting back to that child-like state and just play there's great medicine in this and in your introduction you also share that forest bathing practices or parts of it can be found in indigenous cultures from all over the world and with us which witnessing children doing this it feels like this is such an important thread of being human something i really love as well about your work but what you share on instagram as well as your website is and also in your introduction, you share a lot about the indigenous history and the indigenous tribes that live on the land you're working with. And I think this is really important, especially in America. Of course, Europe has a different story behind it. But can you tell us a little bit more about why you do so and why you think it's important to connect with both the land and the history of these places? Yes. You know, going back to the the basic concept of creating a container to strengthen your relationship with the land, uh, so much of that is about reciprocity. And this this relationship with the land is uh, it's giving and it's receiving. You're giving, you're receiving. Much of those concepts are so embedded in indigenous culture. And so that that is one reason that I feel that it's very important to reflect on these old ways of all all indigenous culture across the globe, just to really try to just remember how and why certain peoples lived the way they did. Current tribes are still teaching and encouraging these ways of life. But then the other hand of it is deepening your relationship with the land that you live on. Many, many, probably most of us live on land that our ancestors don't come from. Through this awareness and acknowledgement of uh, peoples that have had a very, very long, deep relationship with with the land that you're living and working on or um, like to recreate and play and camp or whatever it is that you like to do with the land just to have that awareness that others have walked here before others are part of the land store that in itself i think just helps shift your awareness and your perspective that there's more to the story um, you might be looking out at a cityscape and um, be thinking of the history of this city and of course, it goes far, far back before there was ever any skyscrapers or anything. It is a way to just have a conversation. 
coming back to communication, to have a conversation with the peoples that are still uh, caretakers for the land. By simply bringing your awareness to, to these peoples and to your own roots, that may be whether you know where they are or not, just that awareness of, of your roots and the, the roots of the people that are connected to the land that you live on can just bring some more perspective to um, the present moment in that connectivity that that you're trying to develop in that relationship um, that you have with the land. Perhaps even some of that indigenous wisdom that I talked about at the beginning of just having a, maybe a closer relationship with a piece of land might um, encourage you to be more of a steward to the land and the others in your community to be more of a steward to the land and help care for it. Um, maybe, you know, change the building plans so that 400-year-old tree isn't chopped down. <laughs> be aware of the, the way the waters move and just taking more care uh, to the land. It simply is just um, an a byproduct of developing that relationship and deepening that relationship. You said something in one of your uh, podcasts about the world tribe. I think that just by bringing awareness to indigenous peoples of, of your land and then your own and of, of all of our, the indigenous peoples of our globe, it just helps break down some of those cultural barriers that we might have. It softens us and helps us remember that we're we're all one tribe of this planet that in working in partnership with the more than human world, we can just take better care of each other and our planet. Letting it sink in for a little bit, because I think you touch upon very important topics of weaving ourselves back to the web of life also means weaving ourselves back into nature, but also in the stories that have been told before our story even came to be and how important it is to see things in right perspective not to diminish our experience but maybe experience it as something that's more connected to something that is larger than us and this can also help to what you mentioned as well being better stewards for this earth and maybe tap into that indigenous wisdom of what every decision we make try to think seven generations ahead of us what the impact of our actions would be and your story so beautifully reflects how almost easily this becomes when we take the time to connect with nature and to our ancestors and to the stories because when we remember that so many generations before ours have connected to that big oak tree in the in the city center and we have heard the stories and I don't know, the love stories that have maybe emerged from underneath that tree, you won't cut it down. You will rearrange those building plans because you have learned a story about this being, this natural being. Something I've learned recently, I'm not sure if this is common in like globally or if it's just the Netherlands in this case, but the buildings that are being built are there for 40 years, approximately. So that's how long they plan on the buildings to be there. But they plant trees who will be just, they will be just out of puberty. Um, whenever it's 40 years, so it will be there. So the trees have a very different storyline, a time frame than we have. And maybe by connecting to that slower I'm not sure if slower is even the right word. That natural time frame, which is different from for us, for a tree, for a stone, for a river, and to see if we can co-create with it instead of building houses. In the Netherlands, we actually need to remove trees because they now get so big that they are in the way of the buildings because they didn't space out the buildings quite right. And we're, yeah, we're choosing to cut down living beings instead of just thinking our actions through. And your story is so wonderful in empowering us that connecting with nature, connecting with our local trees can really, we can really benefit it from us, ourselves, but also nature can benefit from it. You mentioned such wonderful things like the eco art, just spending time in nature, or even the examples you mentioned 
with forest bathing and hospices, for example. So there are many ways people can connect with nature, do a little bit of forest bathing. I'm really curious if you can share a little bit more because I can imagine people like on the, the edges of their seat, like, tell me, tell me how I can do forest bathing. How can I implement it in my daily life? How often should I do this? Is five minutes enough? Should I go for 20 minutes? Tell us your experience. Like what would what would be your recommended dose of nature? How would you encourage people to start? Yes, first of all, you can start very, very simple, like I did, just carve out five minutes. Um, Obviously, that changed my life. So, you know, some people are are seeking more than that. I I was. So there's some things that you can do, um, some different little practices. One thing is just simply uh, shifting your perspective. So this is something that can just kind of impact your, your daily life. In one way that I do that when I'm guiding a forest bath, which for context, uh, most forest baths are, are a couple hours. Mine are about two and a half. I just wanted to mention that. But when I guide, um, I often at the beginning have an invitation to just kind of shift your perspective to noticing that there's there's many different sounds and sights happening in the present moment and that they all belong to this moment. And that so maybe that noisy airplane flying overhead is just another form of a bird or that distant highway is another river that the barking dogs or the screaming children are all creatures of the forest. This kind of helps us get our brain into more of this place of acceptance, just acknowledging everything that's happening in the moment and having that softness. My clients report that they'll be walking down a very busy city and have just this new perspective of, oh, I'm walking through a forest right now. This is nature. So that's that's one thing you can do. Another is just to kind of establish some nature-based mindfulness practices. The the best one uh, that I learned from my training and uh, you're probably familiar with is sit-spot. So sit-spot meditation is really just exactly what it sounds like. It's a spot where you go and sit. I let people know you don't have to sit. You can certainly wander. Some people have a hard time sitting still. I think some people that don't even med- ever meditate, they they imagine somebody sitting completely still and that they have no intruding thoughts. And uh, that's totally not what meditation is because I think even the best people on the planet who've been meditating their whole life, um, admit that the human brain is just going to wander. It just happens. So it's okay to let your body wander too. Um, But just to have a place to return to, because something interesting happens. We start to notice things we hadn't noticed before. We start to become more aware of like the cycles of nature, how everything is changing every day, every moment really, Um, but in how you're changing too. But then also the spot or the the beans in your spot or near your spot start to become familiar with you too. Um, wildlife might get closer. You might be surprised you develop very deep bonds with the soil and the, the rocks and the, the trees and the birds or whatever is there. So sit spot is something that you can do. Um, It's recommended about 20 minutes to spend time there. I'm a very, very busy mom. So sometimes I get to my sit spot and I'm there for a few minutes. But those few minutes is like I touched base. I was here for a few minutes. I I said at least got to say hello. And so that can be beneficial as well. Um, But 20 minutes, uh, two or three times a week is like very, very healthy. Sometimes we get really busy and that's okay. Um, I think that that's something I I really like to advise is just that as long as you are having an awareness that you want to create these containers of space and time and bringing some intention in doing that, it's totally fine that you're not connecting with nature constantly every day, all the time. I certainly don't. Um, Sometimes my way of connecting with nature is talking to people like you. Some of the relationships that I've established, or maybe some of the books that I'm reading, maybe there's, there's other outlets and other ways that are 
they're helping me do that. Um, but really just having a place that you can go to. I actually have several sit spots. I have one at the nature center that I try to visit. I have one in my backyard. And then that was my first one. And then it got really cold, um, wintry and my spot was in the shade. So I, I made a new spot in the front yard, um, in the sunshine. It's actually right next to my sidewalk. Cause it's by this really giant ponderosa tree that I have. And so my neighbors have gotten used to just seeing me sitting at the bottom of this tree on the ground. At first I felt silly, but now it, it's just, it, it feels great. And then I have one inside of my house. And so that's something to mention that mine is by a big sunny window. I have lots of houseplants. My cat likes to sit there with me. And sometimes I'm even bringing my attention to just my children. And so what you're doing at your sit spot is really, you're not doing, you're not having an agenda. So there's something very healing about not having to do anything, uh, just simply just being. Um, but some people need some sort of direction or prompt. And so I, I usually tell people, just um, ask yourself, what am I noticing? What am I noticing? Or you can bring your attention to your to your senses. You can go through each one, uh, spend a couple minutes on, you know, what am I seeing? What am I noticing that I see? What am I noticing that I can hear? And just going through all of your senses and and remembering that we have more than five senses, maybe tuning into your heart and noticing what am I feeling? What are, what are those emotions? What am I maybe imagining? You know, sometimes it's fun to imagine you have roots growing down into the ground or that there's invisible threads that connect your heart to all of the other hearts that are being on this planet. You can bring a lot into it, just like I was talking about earlier with forest bathing. You can make it quite complex if you want, but it also can just be this, this container of time that you just really don't have to do anything. And that's really, really the beautiful thing about nature connection practice, it's not prescriptive. You don't have to do anything. What's being encouraged is for you to just be. So those are my biggest ones. It's just kind of that shift in perspective and perhaps creating a sit spot in your life. And then, of course, just uh, seeking out to do a forest bath every once in a while. Forest bathing is one of those things you could forest bathe just once in your life and and perhaps that's enough. Maybe you get so much out of that experience that like it just carries you through your whole lifetime. Some people like to do it continuously as um, a regular practice and it can build on itself. Uh, you can keep continuing those conversations, diving in a little deeper. You know, if you think of it as medicine, you know, you're getting your your dose, your big dose. So these little micro doses of um, just getting outside and doing a sit spot or a wander, or even just going for a walk. I walk to, to the school that I work at, you know, I'm doing the walk anyways, but just going for a, a little walk and, and maybe you want to get some exercise too, but just to maybe ask yourself, you know, like maybe you're going for a hike or maybe you're, you're a runner, but just asking yourself, what am I noticing? And maybe allowing yourself to pause at some point while you're there. Just, just to see if there's anything that's capturing your attention, making a note of it, noticing what you're noticing. Something that really resonates with me is about making it um, a mindful practice. And it doesn't matter how it looks when it's intentional, when it's an intentional moment of connecting with, tuning in with yourself and tuning into your surroundings, or whether this is in front of a big window or in your backyard or front yard or taking like a couple of hours every so often to to do an elaborate forest bath yeah so you have such a talent of making it like achievable and light and really like go at your own pace I think that's something that I'm hearing and something that I really like what you said is we allow our minds to wander but we often don't allow our bodies to wander that really struck me this is very true some people just benefit from moving uh, whether there's some energy in the body that needs to be moved or this is just a way that feels more comfortable to them really allowing the, the body to wander as well wandering and also like feeling right and that we can feel with our whole body and so that movement helps us you know bring your attention to your feet and in that feeling of walking you know we forget we don't just feel with our hands we feel with, with our whole body just maybe taking a moment to feel the the texture of the tree 
or a rock or whatever it is that's capturing our attention, right? Like even a fence post that came from a tree, you know, or the side of a building, that that mindfulness um, meditation is just so beautiful to me because especially being such a busy mom, I'll have those days that are so jammed packed with so many things. And I might start to go, okay, I'm feeling like I'm feeling rushed and this is a lot. Okay. I have this couple of minutes. I'm just going to feel the the heat of the sun on the cement right now and just take take a couple breaths. It's really amazing how those little micro doses, those little moments can just be so impactful. But I do find that it's it's important to to get some of those macro doses too and um, try to dive into it deeper. There's there's certified forest bathing guides all over the world. Uh, you might have to travel a distance like I did um, when I first found one. Reach out to us. Um, if you find one on Instagram or me or any, any we're, we're a very tight-knit community. We really want to help people find each other. And they can be done remotely too. Many guides will, will guide you over the phone and, and you can be with another, with a group. Often forest bathing is done in a group. Um, my walks are about 10 people. And there's something very healing in being with that group. Often they don't know each other or anything, but they end their their this nice little community because you have an opportunity to share what you're noticing. And of course, all forms of sharing are welcome. Um, and silence is a form of sharing. Sometimes I have people that don't speak an entire um, forest bath and because that's what they're needing. There's something very healing in hearing people sharing their experience and what they're noticing and kind of helps us also remember that we're not really separate. We're not separate from each other. We're not separate from the world. And we're all very deeply connected. I find that even when I'm guiding, I get so much medicine because I hear people's sharings and they're completing my thoughts for me. <laughs> their their insight is, is exactly maybe the words I was trying to grasp or something that just helps me feel more whole. Earlier when I was talking about forest, what is forest bathing, I kind of left that part out and that that's a big part of it is that community. And um, so I think that it's it's really beneficial to at least experience a Shinrin-yoku forest bath at some point in your life. I think that from that one experience, you can probably guide yourself. You could probably just get a book and guide yourself on your own too. But that's my high recommendation is to to try to seek one out and see see what's happening in your community because you might be surprised that there there's guides near you. Yeah, I would definitely agree of doing the investment of either traveling or buying a ticket to a guided forest bath because having like a safe space or a safer space set up for you to fully, fully, fully and deeply go into the practices, into the invitations, it really adds so much to the experience. And just to allow yourself to, with the community, but also with the guides, to see and experience nature through also a different set of eyes. It really contributes to a tapestry of all kinds of views that inspire you to maybe look at things differently yourself or, like you said, finding words for things you were unable to name or see that people experience the same things and that you are not alone in hugging trees and like to be barefoot and just meet your fellow weirdos. Right. And I think that also some people, they maybe there's like that, that inside of them and they never knew and they, there's not a safe place in their life to experience like that. Mm -hmm. They've never taken their shoes off outside before, or, or maybe they, they don't take off their shoes, but they see other people doing it. And then they feel more comfortable doing it on their own. And so I'm that, that's, that space is, is it's so beautiful um, in that it's so open and inclusive to all people that I, I just highly recommend anyone, even if it sounds very kind of woo to you or um, that that seems, I, I don't know what to expect. I'm maybe a little scared and nervous to maybe um, just reach out to a guide. You might, um, you know, be able to find one that can guide just you by yourself on the phone or something like that to kind of just give you a taste. Yeah, that's such a wonderful recommendation. I hope you find, if you're listening to this, I hope you find a wonderful guides that are in your area. And otherwise you can reach out to, to Summer or just like do a little search on Instagram or on Google because they are everywhere. And like you said, there is a very large community of 
certified forest bathing guides yeah so find one that's speaking to you because i think that's also a very big part there are forest bathing guides that are more on the spiritual side or more on the almost science-based side find one that speaks to you and go there (laughs) yes absolutely um there's just more and more guides every day too so um there's a very good chance you'll find one that you resonate with and if you're in the area of summer go check her out you mentioned a couple of times of you being being a busy mom what are your practices how do you stay connected with nature with yourself what are your your habits practices mindsets that keep you connected to yourself and to nature like i said i i I love to walk walking is a, a big one for me but uh, there's sometimes that maybe it's just stepping outside. So those sit spots, those sit spots are uh, very important places for me. They're very easy for me to access. Then for practices, just inviting myself to be creative. Don't often like that word creative because I think that some people have edges with that. I'm not creative. I'm not an artist. Like I said earlier, we're all creative beings. But that invitation to just interact, um, maybe that's a better word, in whatever way that feels good, I'll just try to create that um, that intention of having uh, space and time to either sit, wander, or interact. And those micro doses of that in my life, in my day, uh, that way, if life gets really busy, that we're getting into our really busy season right now, and I'm looking at the calendar going, oh, when can we get out to the forest so we can just have a long play? You know, just getting outside. My kids are outside anyways, but just getting outside and even just watching them playing, you know, and I'll bring them into the experience too. Um, you said earlier, you know, children are natural forest bathers and they are, and they're the best guides. They really are. But there's a way to also kind of guide them into um, being more mindful. So I will often just ask them, what are you noticing? Or can you smell anything right now? What do you hear? Just those little questions and making sure you give them a lot of time to observe and respond. Um, And then, of course, not responding with any judgments of your own. Um, Just maybe perhaps then allowing that to be an invitation for you. Oh, maybe I'll smell it too. Um, You know, or I'll take some time to listen. You know, and that shift of perspective that I talked about earlier, too, I think really helps because, you know, sometimes my time in nature is at the school when all of the kids are out playing. And if anyone's been close to a schoolyard at recess, they're quite loud. But there's there's always other things to be heard uh, um, among the, the sound of the children. And, of course, the sound of children are in nature, too. And just to have that shift in perspective. I always have nature. It's always there. It's it's. In everything and everywhere, there's infinite there's infinite ways to connect with nature, um, and that it that it's okay that it's okay to to even just have just like one minute in the day. If every day I'm bringing this intention, I wake up and say, it's sometime today. My intention today is to connect with nature. It's sometime. At some point, those moments will find you. They find me, and then I invite myself. Some days maybe I don't feel good. And that's okay. It's okay to rest. It doesn't have to be this like strict regimen <laughs> of practices. But try to keep it very simple and just um, playful. Try not to to bite off too much <laughs> to chew. And just know that it's always there. If you just establish, like if I just establish a place to sit and go and 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 be, and I know that that's my place, and I have that intention, then the th- the time will carve itself out. It'll show itself to me and then I'll, I'll be able to do it so so I do have certain things that I set for myself certain routines perhaps and certain intentions and certain practices but I also try to to hold them very loosely be very forgiving and gentle with myself and and knowing that some days I'll have more time and others I won't it's really about being intentional that's what I'm hearing from your story and also not beating yourself up because modern life is busy and it's about what i'm hearing is about soaking up the moments where you do have the time to play outdoors and i also love the suggestion you share with helping your children to deepen the experience into asking those 
questions like what do you know this what do you smell and then yeah maybe experience nature through their eyes as well because they are often from my experience they are so amazing at noticing small details seeing an ant cross something but finding butterflies finding gallstones yes it's a great experience to yeah to lean into that wisdom of your children help them to deepen what they are doing so instinctively Yes, and I also find that it helps if they're not sleeping at nighttime, I'll just take them outside and I'll say, let's just be quiet for a minute. They just feel the night air on their skin or they can maybe hear a dog in the distance or something. And just those few minutes of being outside and just being mindful, they go come inside and they go right back to sleep. And then also working at the school with some of the kids that I think are very challenging. I'll do these little wellness walks where I just, we just go outside and walk around. And I'll just ask them, what are you noticing? You know, and bring a little attention to their senses. And then they're like ready to get back into the classroom and feel more regulated. So it's 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 interesting because they can really help us so much, but of course we can help them too by by simply having those those little questions. I really hope they're listening. They're among the listeners, there are parents and maybe people who work with children, smaller children that get inspired to give these things a try with our children as well. And with maybe children we're guiding in in other um in other areas, school or other parts of our lives because it feels so nourishing and so needed. Not to what I find from my experience is that with modalities within the nature spectrum we don't sit in front of each other so we don't sit facing the child or facing the adult or but we sit we sit or walk next to them we connect with them on a more like natural rhythm doing things getting outside of her head really landing in our bodies and i think that's that's really potent medicine uh, for ourselves for children for for the whole world actually yeah, and to remember that it it works for teens too. Um, they're just they're children and almost adults, but uh, that too, uh, you know, had some teens were just that simple walk. Like let's just go for a walk, and maybe they don't want to, but just going for that walk and really just just allowing them to just be can really be so beneficial. I just feel like so so often in those teen years, we're just we're required to do so much. They have a lot of weight on their shoulders. So really just creating that container of space and time to just be is like huge, so huge for them. I can imagine I this this would be amazing, like another podcast episode or even I just see you writing a book yeah. on the on the subject of guiding children from yeah. for all ages in nature and the benefits because your work with children and your experience in guiding people that will that would be wonderful and so beneficial for children, teachers, counselors. It's such a such a wonderful topic. Yes, it's it's actually there's things happening there with that. So <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting a little bit of um as a peek behind the veil. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, just to um give a little tiny uh, glimpse into it. Um. There is an, an initiative beginning in my community um, that I'm kind of heading up of bringing more rest to schools. So rest in schools initiative has kind of begun in a conversation. And so that is something that um, I feel that communities can do all over the planet, it, not just rest in schools, not, not just um, any of these things that we've talked about, but really just starting with your community, starting with where you are, maybe that's just with you and in your heart and where you are, just starting with home. <laughs> what is home? What is home for you and starting at home? And and how can I how can I bring more rest into my life? And how can I bring more rest to my community? And of course there's so many different wellness practices out there that that can bring that to us. And and in many, many, many different ways of connecting with nature, um, herbalism, and oh, I don't know. There's so many. I can't even go into all of them because there's so many different ways, right? So, but when you narrow it down to rest, that that is such a wonderful word because it encompasses anything and everything that can really counteract so much that makes us feel stressed, 
and sick and unwell. I hope that our listeners today can find ways to bring rest into their life and that forest bathing is is one way that can really help with that. And um, just all of these different little little ways that we've talked about with connecting with the land and with the more than human world. And starting with home, as you so beautifully said, how can you start with home? Powerful question. I hope this podcast episode was for the listener like a moment of rest as well, a moment where you took the time to listen to this episode and really take it all in. Maybe you're sitting underneath a tree or you're taking a walk while listening to it. It has been such a nourishing talk and I really love how you express so beautifully all the wonderful medicine nature has got to offer, but also being present in this very moment. I can imagine people want to reach out to you say hi to you so how can they connect with you is there a place online where they can find you yes i would love to say hello very social being so please reach out (laughs) i'm happy to answer any questions or just chat social media i'm very active on my listening pines um on instagram uh so i definitely will answer any messages that are sent to me there of course i try to respond to all of the comments on my posts and then i do have a facebook page listening pines as well um i'm not as active on facebook but i do try to check it about once a week that is another way you can send me a message and then of course on my website which is listeningpines.com so if you're in summer's area or want to check out her wonderful posts on instagram or want to join her at one of her wonderful forest baiting activities then please do check her out and listener, thank you so much for tuning into this conversation. I hope it was as nourishing for you for you as it was for me. 